0: What's up, everyone? It's Michael Scotto, Hoopside.com, senior NBA insider and host of the Hoopshype Podcast. On today's episode, I'm joined by a special guest. He's the reigning unanimous coach of the year. He's Sacramento Kings head coach Mike Brown. We're going to discuss a little bit of his time with Greg Popovich and Tim Duncan. He's gotten to coach LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, Kobe Bryant, you name it. He's been around a lot of stars. Uh, he's worked with Steve Kerr and the Warriors as well, most recently, and we'll certainly touch on some Sacramento Kings topics. Coach, I appreciate you joining me on the line, brother. Um, one of the things that I wanted to start with that I don't think a lot of people know about you was your background growing up. Um, your dad served in the U.S. Air Force, and you lived in a bunch of places from besides the U.S. in, in Japan and, and in Germany. I was curious... What was that like for you growing up as, as a youngster uh, that helped lead you to where you are now?
1: I, you know, it, it was fantastic because I got to experience a lot of different cultures at an early age. And, you know, when you get to experience a lot of different cultures, it makes you feel comfortable, especially around a diverse group. And if you want to or you hope to be a leader in any way, shape, or form of a group of people, you're going to have a diverse group of people. Most likely, that you are going to have to be able to connect with, not only connect with, but feel comfortable with. And being exposed to the different cultures at a young age uh, in, in in the different countries, um, and, and and once you get comfortable with that culture, you move into a different one. Uh, it really helped me grow in that area, and I feel that you know, there's no situation, there's no group of people. That I don't feel like I can go and in, in, in meet with and somehow, some way connect with, uh, short term or long term. So I think it's helped me quite a bit.
0: And I'm sure your dad's uh, background in the Air Force had helped you when you went to go join forces with Greg Popovich. Um, he's a little—I <laughs> mean, when you when you think about your time with with Pop, um, for you, what were either? the lessons you took from that or the best behind-the-scenes story from from working with Greg Popovich?
1: I tell you what, I learned so many different things working with Greg Popovich. It's, I can't thank him enough. His, I think his son has no interest in the game of basketball. I told him if I'm ever in a position to hire uh, people, if he called me and said, Mike, hire my son as your lead assistant, I would do it. That's how grateful I am to Greg Popovich. He he's meant that much to me as a as a coach in the business and uh, just as a a, a man uh, growing up away from the game of basketball. I, I mean, I could start with, you know, he's won four or five. I don't know how many championships he's led that organization to in the last 20 years. But what people don't realize is he's got a unique way of making everyone feel apart. And everybody in San, Ant- San Antonio uh, for each championship that they've won felt like they had something to do with it. I tell people, even the even the custodians walking around, you know, back in the day, the Alamo Dome, when we won it, they felt like they were a part of it. And they were. Everybody has a part in it. And that's how he's drawn that city so close together. It's their ability to have them rally around that Spurs organization and that in itself is is a unique skill set so if you can imagine that everybody in the city felt like they they were part of that championship imagine now players 1 through 15 you didn't have any disconnect at any time because everybody felt like that they were a part of whatever was going on and to have that connectivity is a special thing in the NBA because teams are just too good. You gotta have something special to get over the hump. And a lot of times that special. Something is the connectivity of the group.
0: I'll certainly work with the big three and you know, even when they had David Robinson too. Um, for you being around those guys, did you have any, uh, is there maybe a story, like a fun story with those guys that people don't know about? Cause I know Pop with the wine and you know, Timmy seems kind of like straight laced, but he's kind of funny. I don't think people know that like behind the scenes.
1: No, he, he is. I mean, he's a funny guy. I, it, well, I'll I tell you one about Tim. I, he, he's, he's a great guy. He is a funny guy. But he, he's deceptive now. And if you're not careful, he'll pull one over on you quick. I, I remember when I, I was assistant coach. and the, Tim loved paintball at the time, uh, back in the early 2000s. And, you know, obviously, as as an NBA player, especially a great NBA player, you make a lot of, a lot of money. And so, you, you know, you get the top-of-the-line crap. You know, you get the top of the line gun and paintball, and you get the gear and whatever else you need. So I I don't know how this came about, but it, it, the players, led by Tim, decided that they wanted that, that the coaches to go play paintball with them in the offseason. season. So I'm like, yeah. So we got all the coaches, everybody except Pop, I think went, and so we get there and it's and it ends up being players versus coaches. Now because Tim liked it as the best player, uh, other players played it too. They enjoyed it and. and you know they bought the different guns and all that, so so they're like, okay, players versus coaches. And at first, I thought it was a good idea, and then I, I didn't think it was so. I didn't think it was too good of an idea because before we got started, all the coaches were lined up to rent a gun, all the players were just waiting for us to go get our guns. They already had their gear, and when I got my gun, it looked a little beat up, looked a little old, and then I started shooting it, and it'd go about ten yards, and the bullets started curving to the right. And I was like, I don't know if this is good. And <laughs> lo and behold, it wasn't. They picked us up. I bet mean, Tim was picking us apart from 200 meters out. Pow, 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 pow. He had the state-of-the-art gun. The whole nine yards. Our, our, our goggles we had, we had regular goggles. And imagine, summertime, San Antonio, middle of the day, in the desert playing paintball. Foggy, smelly. Paint on. It. They had the goggles with his little fans in it. The whole and they killed us. They killed. It. So they took advantage of, of us as a coaching staff, and I don't think we won a single game. That's one of many that I could talk about with this group.
0: That's that's amazing. I, I don't even know if you could top that. Um, and <laughs> I mean, then later down the line in your career, you also got to coach two of the most talented players I've certainly seen in LeBron James and Kyrie. I'll ask you a two-parter one. First one's maybe a little tougher than the second one. You know, there's a huge debate, LeBron or Jordan, for the GOAT. Do you have a stance on that? And two, Kyrie not being in top 75 all time on that list.
1: Uh, the first one, for, for me, you know, that is a huge debate. Everybody always tries to throw Kobe in there because I actually, uh, Coach Kobe and LeBron, I might have. We're the only guy that could probably say he coached both you know during regular season games and playoff games and and uh you know the one thing that stands out about all three guys is their competitive spirit their competitive spirit is is off the charts and and not only those three guys but if you if I were to quote unquote lump all the great players that I was fortunate enough to be around work with learn from grow with you start throwing in Steph Curry and Draymond, and I mean, I'd go down the line. The competitive spirit is one common theme that they all have. They all have a, a burning desire, not only to be better uh, in their craft individually, but collectively, they want to show that they can uh, carry a team and/or bring a lot others along with them in that department. And so, uh, when it comes to quote unquote LeBron and, and, and Michael, you know, at, at the end of the day. It depends on what you want. I, I, I don't know if there's a better playmaker, passer, have you, you want to call it than LeBron. He's uh, it, it, unbelievable. And, you know, he can help connect any team because his unselfish nature, when it comes to the game of basketball, he plays basketball the right way. I, I, and you, that that's the, there were a couple of things that drove me crazy as a young coach. When I, when I coached him and, 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 I hate to lump you in this, but you guys as media used to talk about all the time, you know, you wanted him to take the quote unquote last shot. Not I, I, I'm so glad he is the way he is because it helped us win a lot of ball games. He, he brought everybody together. I'll never forget. We made the playoffs. He hits Damon Jones in that left corner. Damon Jones hits that jumper to beat the wizards in a, in a tough fought series. And again, that set the tone for who we were the next four or five years together because of his unselfishness. So, uh, I would take that any day of the week. On the flip side, you got a killer, an MJ or Kobe, however you want to call it, those guys are assassins. And, you know, maybe for a more veteran team, a, a team that's right there and ready to take that next step, you may need that at that time. And so those guys would be good in that situation. Um, all talented, talented, talented individuals, but I think they would both agree that at the end of the day, uh, uh, if if you can have more championships than the other, that's a part of the, the, the factor too. And um, that's not to say that that this player is, is less of a player than the other guy. I think winning at the end of the day has a lot to do with it. And that's why there are guys that are great players uh, like Charles Barkley or whoever else, John Stockton, that aren't necessarily mentioned in the greatest when you're talking about the, the, the true greatest of all time is because, uh, y- you know, you expect or you'd hope that, they'd have some hardware to go along with what they achieve individually on the floor.
0: And I mean, outside of that, then you mentioned about Kobe, Um, you know, you had a chance to be there with, you talk about stars, you had Kobe, you had Powell, you had Steve Nash, you had Dwight Howard. um, And for a little bit there, but in in terms of Kobe in particularly, um, what is maybe the best moment that, you had with him behind the scenes? Because we, we all know his accolades on the court, something off the court that maybe stood out to you ab- about him during your time together.
1: Just how, how intense he is and, and 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 the drive that he has to be great while trying to push his teammates to be great. You know, it, it's, it was nonstop. And, you know, a lot of times when you see a guy like that uh, that's as tough as he is, not just physically but mentally too. It, you think it, you think it's not real at times, it, it, you know, or there's some some quote-unquote fakeness behind it. But I'm telling you, with Kobe, there is nothing fake about his mental and physical toughness. He's about as mentally strong as anybody that I've been around uh, that, that I I can say I've had the fortune whatever the opportunity, blessed opportunity, the luck to be around that guy, to see him operate, uh, and to see how he pushes guys to uh, to, to push themselves to be the best uh, they could possibly be. So I, I would say watching that, uh, his his path to or his work ethic to being individually, in his mind, the greatest while pushing his teammates to be the greatest was something that I marveled at on a daily basis, especially when it came time uh, to competition Uh, more so, more than competition, but competition with adversity. It's, I don't know if there's anybody better.
0: It was almost maniacal in that sense, but you know, the other guys too, you've been around winners. Kobe was one of them. Um, We talked about the Spurs time, but even with Golden State as well, Steve Kerr, champion as a player and a coach. You got to coach you know, a dynasty team there as well with him. What were for you lessons that you learned coaching alongside Steve Kerr and that Warrior's success that you took with you to Sacramento and you know, helped you win the Unanimous Coach of the Year award last year?
1: Well, I, I would say this as, as a young coach getting first opportunity at 35 years old never played in the nba being a you know an assistant for think like 6 years 7 years uh in cleveland um was i ready for the job i think so uh, it, you know maybe <laughs> maybe not <laughs> uh but i tried the best i could and and i felt my um you know my my uh attention to detail and my organization uh helped in a lot of ways uh, us as a group have some, 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 some success, you know, to a certain level, we didn't win a championship, but we had some success in Cleveland. And so I marvel at, you know, guys like Will Hardy and Joe Missoula, these young coaches now, uh, especially with the way social media is today and how they handle their teams. They, they're doing a heck of a job for as young as they are, because I know it's, it, it, it was extremely hard and and you think that you're ready. But I'm telling you, it, you know, that's a tough seat. It's a tough seat to be in. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so, you know, the opportunity for me to be an assistant for Steve the last six, you know, for six years in Golden State, I learned a lot. And one of the things that stands out to me is the way Steve messaged to the team. Uh, I used to carry out. I, I, I still do just for my my own sanity. But you can see I, I carry on a little notepad and and pen in my pocket a lot when basically every day when I was with Steve and I would take notes, not necessarily on X's and O's, even though Steve is one of the best X and O guy out there. I would take notes on the way he messaged to the team and he knew what to say every day, not only what to say, but how long to go and how his demeanor should be when delivering the message. He was one of the best messengers. Pop's probably the best, but, but he was one of the best messengers I've been around. Now, when I was with Pop, I didn't really understand what he was doing when he was messaging to the team. You know, <laughs> as a young coach, you think it's about the X's and O's and playing hard and being organized. But the most important thing is your connectivity and your messaging to the group on a daily basis. And Steve was, again, probably second to Pop in that category. And so to be able to hear him message to our group in, in Golden State for six years. Uh, When things were going good, when we hit adversity, when things were just normal, uh, whether it's shoot around, practice, team dinner, whatever, it meant a lot for my growth. And I've taken that, I'll never be as good as him, but I've taken that more than anything else to the the Kings, uh, uh, basically with the understanding of knowing that it's uh, important and you need to put some thought into it and uh, don't take it for granted at all because it can help uh, propel you, and if you don't do it right or you take it for granted, it can definitely splinter you as a group.
0: I thought I think you're doing all right. I thought turn the and jets on was pretty good. <laughs> that that, <laughs> that that had me laughing in training camp last year. But um, last one, I'll leave you with outside of Sacramento before we dive into King's talk. Um, I'm curious. You know, there's obviously a lot of talk about Clay Thompson with an extension. Do, you know, can you envision him on another? Team, honestly, because I got to be honest with you, I can't.
1: No, I can't neither. I meant, you know, when, when you say Golden State Warriors, immediately what comes to mind uh, are, you know, the three guys that are there still. You know, obviously, Steve Kerr is going to come to mind, but you think of Steph, Clay, Draymond right away. And, you know, if you're a huge uh, basketball enthusiast and, and and your intentions are pure and not necessarily you know you, you have this favorite team or that favorite team but if you if you really appreciate the game of basketball at the highest level one of the things that you think has to happen is those three guys got to go out uh, 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 uh they got to take a ride out, uh, out to off into the sunset together and you know at, at the end of the day you know again if you're pure basketball enthusiast that loves the game, you you hope that that happens. Uh, But if you're the head coach of the Sacramento Kings and you're their competitor, you hope they split them. (laughs) You hope it doesn't happen. You hope that goes away and they don't win and they get pissed at each other and the game's easier for you. So, I said my piece. Sorry, Steve.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, now you, you mentioned about being a competitor. So, you're coming off the unanimous Coach of the Year Award. Now, I mean, not for nothing, like, Real quick, like what what did that mean to you? And then how do you how do you top that this year? I,
1: you know, it, it, the, the reality of it, it, what it meant to me is I I just have a fantastic staff, and and you know I, you appreciate the award because uh, quote unquote somebody has to get it, just like MVP of the league or scoring champ, whatever. But at the end of the day, I, I I recognize greatness, and when I say that, I truly mean that our players stepped up. Not only did our players step up, but everybody in the organization did too. And I, what it means to me is, I have a great staff. I'm not just talking about my coaching staff. By the way, I, I have at least four to five guys on my staff right now that are ready to be head coaches. It, it, no, I, I and I've been I've been saying that. I I've tried to tell people about Jordy Fernandez. You know, I there are others on my staff that are ready to be co- head coaches right now. So I recognize how blessed, how fortunate, how lucky I am to have. Not just a great coaching staff, a great medical staff, a great uh, uh, performance staff, or strength and conditioning staff. I love the guys in the front office, uh, ticket sales, community relations, Matina. I, I mean, I could go on and on. And so, to see uh, the the, the vertical, the vertical and horizontal uh, level of trust that we have within all the units of the organization, in my opinion, showed itself in the best possible way with me uh, being quote-unquote named uh, unanimous unanimous coach of the year because I know I didn't do it by myself. It was everybody that earned that award.
0: You took a, you know, it's funny. I was going to ask you about Jordy Fernandez because he had a good showing in FIBA as well, uh, coaching a little bit. But you kind of took one of the wins out of my sail for a question down the line about if if he's ready to be a coach. But I think you safely answered that. Um, You know, one of the things about success, people want to poach. And they want to pluck from you as well. So I respect that you, uh, you show some solidarity for your guys and, um, you think they can do well. Speaking of like plucking, you guys made some moves in the offseason to try to make the team better and, and you made a host of them, but you know, you re sign Harrison Barnes. You, you have a reunion with JaVale McGee. Um, Sasha Vazenkov and, and you draft Colby Jones. When, when you look at these moves in the offseason, how do you feel that they can help impact this team this season? And, and as you guys try to make that next step?
1: Well, the biggest thing is, Mike, is it adds to your depth. And when you have depth, that means that nobody can really get comfortable, you know, because there's somebody there that wants to play. And so you got to bring it, not just every night during the games, you got to bring it in practice. You got to bring it in shoot around. You got to bring it whenever you're on that basketball court, as well as take care of your body when you're away from the basketball court. So you can be at your best when you do return and competition at every position is something that a lot of coaches absolutely love. If you're in this thing to win it, you absolutely love it as a coach and even as a player because Everybody will push each other to be better. And so for me, that's what I'm excited about. I'm excited about everybody pushing and holding everybody accountable to be the best they possibly, possibly can be in order to win a championship.
0: And when you, when you go into this season, media is going to have expectations. Fans are going to have expectations. What are your expectations for the Sacramento Kings this season when it comes to playoffs, et cetera?
1: I, I tell you the, the, the neat part about everybody's expectations it's it's uh it's our reality it, you know I, and i told our guys this at the opening night team dinner for training camp i said you know last year the pink elephant in the room was kings hadn't been to the playoffs 17. well we're a playoff team i i could see on our roster when i look at our roster on paper we're a playoff team now it's up to us to go out there and, and manifest that but I truly believe that, and and so, for me, there was no pink elephant in the room last year because their expectations were our reality. Well, okay, we're a good team. We established that narrative with our play last year, with our connectivity throughout the summer, with our work throughout the summer, and so now we just got to continue building on that. We got to go from good to great, and so our expectations aren't just to make the playoffs again. We know that's who we are. Our expectations are to go from good to great and be a NBA champion, just like every other team out there that's competing as hard as we feel like we're going to compete this year.
0: To do that. You know, I know you were pumping DeMonta Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox for all NBA last year. You got that now to take that next step to be a championship contender. I think you would agree with me. They they've got to even take another step. And I think you mentioned to me in the past that they could last year. Do you, how, how can those guys who already got all NBA accolades, accolades take that next step this season as you guys try to strive to be a championship contender?
1: Well, I would say this. Yes, those two guys have to continue taking leaps forward. But part of the reason why we brought so many guys back is I firmly believe in order to have a winning culture at the highest level, you have to have a core of guys that you believe in and then are able to play together year after year after year so that connectivity can grow to uh, uh, an insurmountable uh, level. And so this is our first year of trying to bring our guys back to establish that course. So that means that everybody we bring back has to elevate their game. Keegan Murray has to elevate his game. Kevin Herder has to elevate, uh, HB, has- they all have to elevate their game, especially knowing the way we like to play on both ends of the floor. and. Yeah. You know, so it's a given that if those guys do, your two best players have to as well and they have room to grow. They have room to grow on both ends of the floor and we're starting to see it early in the preseason. Now we just got to see it in the regular season and throughout the playoffs.
0: You touched on Keegan. Uh I know you're a hoops hype reader. So I'm sure you saw that he was uh eighth in the breakout poll for top breakout candidate this year from executives around the league. Um Small plug for those who haven't seen it. Check it out on Hoopsite.com. But Love Love how does how does, how does does Keegan make a jump in his sophomore season in the NBA for you guys? Because we know he can shoot.
1: What's exactly, that's exactly it right there. If you think about it, last year, the way we played with our pace and our, our body and ball movement, he got a lot of his shots off the catch and shoot. And so now, you know, we expect Keegan to bring the ball if he gets a rebound, initiate the offense, you know, be a little selfish and go get a shot, which you saw uh, a couple of times throughout the preseason and over summer league when, when he played with, 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 uh, in the Kings summer league here in Sacramento, you know, not, uh, not only that offensive rebound, uh, not only that he's worked hard on his body defensively. Don't get bullied. You know, be a, be a grown up and guard some of these better players taking the hit in the chest and mm-hmm. Not getting knocked off balance, but taking that hit and still sliding your feet and staying in front of the ball, being able to guard the ball in pick and roll situations. So th- These are some areas, you know, going to get that shot off the bounce. Like I said, these are some areas that Keegan worked on that we've been fortunate, blessed, lucky enough to see throughout the offseason him improve in. And now we expect him to do it come the game time.
0: I got two more for you before I let you go. First one, because I know you're a big guy. You pump up your guys. Now we, you know, you got them to the playoffs. We talked about Demontis and De'Aaron for All NBA last year. What about Malik Monk for Sixth Man of the Year this year? What are your thoughts on that?
1: I, he has a it, one of the most talented guys I've been around. You know, now he's not six seven. You know, that's that. That's what hurts. I, you know, everybody said, "Well, if I'm six seven, no, no, no." Truly, if he was six seven, six eight, he'd be All NBA. He's that talented it's going to be up to him what he wants to be. And and I thought last year coming in, his work ethic and his focus was pretty good. Just like everybody can improve to help us uh, become a better team, excuse me, improve internally to help us become a better team, Malik can too. His talent level is there. Now he's got to be locked in 24-7, you know, 365 days a year when it comes to hoops. And if, and if he is and he doesn't take anything for granted, you know, he's in great shape. He's locked in. He's playing every possession. The sky's the limit for him because he can shoot the three. He's got a medium game. He's one of the best I've seen in the pick and roll. We brought JaVale McGee here because now you got a vertical threat that he can throw that lob to or, and or finish at the rim. It, it, it's all here for him. Defensively, he he's got to lock in and not fall asleep on the weak side. It, on the weak side of the floor, he does those things, and he has a chance not only to be very good individually, but if we're good collectively as a group, every guy like like everybody says, we all get a chance to eat and eat at a high level.
0: You know, it saves some room. We got Thanksgiving coming up, but <laughs> the last one I'm going to leave you with, coach, is um, you know you you made that first leap. And you got to the playoffs last year, the pink elephant, as you talked about. But but this isn't just like, you're not here to be vanilla ice. You're not here to be a one-hit wonder, no offense. So no. when you look at the future of the Sacramento Kings, you got most of your core guys locked up now. Um, what do you foresee from this group for the foreseeable future?
1: Like I said, you know, the pink elephant in the room last uh, last year was making the playoffs.
0: Mm-hmm. For
1: us, it's everybody's expectations that we're going to be better than that. Well, their expectations are a reality. We're competing for a championship. And the things that you need to be able to do in order for that to happen is you've got to win the day every single day. There's got to be a level of commitment from everybody at the utmost level to buy in so that we can collectively go achieve the same common goal. And you do that by bringing it daily when it comes to work ethic and and or competitive spirit. You've got to daily focus on the details. You can't take anything uh, for granted. And and you've got to have a belief in each other that we'll succeed because we're going to play the right way. You know, you do those things. And now because you're bringing or you're identifying what your nucleus is or what your core is, now everybody's going to get a little bit better. Every single day we're together. And even when we're not together, uh, we're going to get a little bit better. And that's going to help us attain our goal. That's what's going to make this organization be known as a winning organization with a winning culture that can it, sustain it for a long time.
0: Well, Mike, I wish you the best of luck as you begin that endeavor again this season, coming up now, uh, and Uh, t- for taking some time with me here on the Hoopside Podcast, brother.
1: Mike, anytime. The only the only thing I, I I feel bad about is is I'm not helping you with your with, with your game. I I know you got a beautiful lady, and I'm gonna embarrass you right now. You got a beautiful lady, and I'm taking time away from her. I I don't know how you scored her. You know, maybe the hoop heights thing helped lock her in. I don't know, <laughs> but one of these days I'm gonna find out. But uh, we're gonna end this thing so you can go back and spend time with her and tell her I apologize for taking an, a half hour or whatever it is out of your day to where you're not working on your relationship with
0: her. You know what? I, I appreciate the kind words. I'm sure my girl, my CL does as well. I would say real quick, I mean, you, I, fans don't notice, but I definitely tried to get myself a two-way or an exhibit ten. I sent you a video of me shooting some jumpers over the summer and I, I was splashing them. I got a, I got a little clip from Barkley Center. I might drop um, before the season starts, but I appreciate that, brother. Wish you and your family all the best as well as we get ready, my man.
1: Hey, anytime, Mike. You take
0: care, buddy. And I want to thank everybody else for tuning in. If you want to hear more episodes of the Hoopside Podcast with guest appearances from NBA players, coaches such as Mike Brown, executives and media members, you can like and subscribe to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can keep up with my tweets on Twitter, at Mike A. Scotto. Coach Brown isn't on social media. I don't think he has a burner account. Uh, <laughs> <he's-> <laughs> I better not. He's too, he's too busy living in the real world drawing up plays so until next time I'm your host Michael Scott wishing you and yours all the best just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are let listen to
1: Where Secrets Go to Die The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan